usually it comes back to sex, doesn't it? Oh, geez, for always. most for most killers, sex or, or cult, some religious yeah. or some sort of sex cult. <laughs> sex cult. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Audio Book Club. I'm Stephen, and joining me as always are my two co-hosts, Michael and Johnny. Do you want to say hello, lads? Hey. Hi. And this time around, we have a a new member joining us. Uh, We've mentioned him a few times, uh, so I'd like to welcome Jason uh, to the stage. Uh, Nice to have you on board. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Do do you want to introduce yourself, maybe talk about the different kinds of books you like, or your listening stroke reading habits anything uh, not, to, not to put you on the spots right away <laughs> uh, we did it the first time <laughs> uh, my reading habits are terrible but my listening habits have definitely gotten a bit better as of late great cool cool what's your uh what's your go-to genre no, well i mean i've been really like listening to like everything that's been recommended on the podcast recently but i mean i have actually listened to all Three of the Richard Osman books already. Nice. You're the main man for any questions I've got about the, the sequels, then that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could try my best. Happy days. Happy days. Um, again, welcome on board. Uh, so I'll move on now. So this time around, we will be talking about the Thursday Murder Club, and I'll go right into a quick summary. So the book follows uh, four residents of a retirement community, who are the eponymous Thursday Murder Club. They routinely meet to discuss unsolved murder cases, and their names are Elizabeth, Ibrahim, Ron, and Joyce. Uh, at the start of the book, we learn that Joyce has just joined to replace founding member Penny, who now suffers with dementia. Uh, Penny was a former detective and is the source for many of the cases that the club investigates, and it is heavily implied that Joyce was some sort of spy. Um, Shortly after the beginning, a new development is announced for the retirement village and the lead builder ends up getting killed and the group starts investigating this murder. Uh, Soon after, the landowner is killed as well and the group becomes wrapped up in a mystery involving three murders, one childbirth, two suicides and numerous cover-ups. And it seems that everyone, no matter who they are or how nice they are, how pleasant they are or how harmless they seem have skeletons in their closet did you say did you say that uh joyce is implied to have a i was going to say the same thing you did, did say, I say joyce. joyce yeah oh, for fuck's sake. uh it's, it's elizabeth isn't it yeah correction elizabeth <laughs> has is implied to be some sort of spy uh so okay so why why did i pick this book um i mean for for what it seems like years now every time i go into a bookshop or anywhere that sells books i would see this on the shelves you know the cover and the parts of the shop where they typically advertise like new year popular books so this had me thinking it must be amazing and i think i think i read the blurb or maybe someone was talking about it to me and understood it to be a mystery novel and as i stated before on the podcast that i wanted to get into reading more um, mystery novels or listening to more I should say so to me it seemed like a, a bit of a, a great fit um, 
So yeah, that that's why I chose it. Pretty simple. I just see it everywhere, everywhere I go. Still, even after finishing it for the last couple of weeks, I've been seeing it like more and more. In fact, and and the sequels as well. So they're definitely um, you know, they sell well. So yeah, and it pumps them out like one a year. Like there's another one coming out in September. I'm pretty sure. As is there another one? Because I seen I, I thought he only just put the third one out there, so that's a bit of a surprise. Literally annually, he has only one out every year. Fuck, a man, uh, a man must never stop working, hey? Because he's he's on TV flat out as well, is he not? Well, he left pointless actually. What oh, did he? Uh, focus on the books. Right. Uh... Oh, so he's so he's focusing on the books now full time, is he? Yeah, I think so. Right. Well. Did you? Did you? I don't know if you came across this on your research, but did you see like his um? What what's it called when they offer their upfront payment again? Uh, their, what's the word again? Um, advance. Did you see his advance? Through no. the what for the new book? It was like it was seven figures anyway for the initial book. So wow, that's pretty unprecedented for an, an advance for a book. <laughs> so what did he get paid in the end? What I want? I mean, I suppose he stole so the royalties and yeah, stuff, but. Yeah, so in advance, it basically, um, the way it works is the offer gets an advance and then the the royalties basically pay off the advance, say like a debt, and then once that's paid off, then the offer starts making, you know, whatever is an addition to that. So ho- hold on, is, is this not his first book? So you're telling me he got a seven-figure advance yes, on his that's what I mean, first book, but, what? Yes, Cause, I know. Because of who he is, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, but I, I that- mean... That must be unheard of, though, right? I mean, it's almost unheard of. Um, the only the only one I can find comparable to it. I'm sure there probably has been other like celebrity cases where they've got massive advances because it's been like an autobiography by like Michelle Obama or something. I'm sure she yeah. got a massive advance and stuff like that. But the only other one I've heard that's really crazy was um, I think Stephen King got, and I, f- I can't remember when Carrie was written. It was like the seventies or maybe the sixties, possibly. But he got like two hundred grand or something for Carrie, and he was, like, he wasn't even a celebrity or anything at the time. He was just like a twenty-six, twenty-seven-year-old English teacher. <laughs> that's that's really he weird. Got, he got that. Yeah, that's so. That's it. Is it is very crazy and unprecedented to get that advance to to just to put it into perspective. I think J.K. Rowling's advance for um, Harry Potter or J.K. Rowling her advance for Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter was like four grand or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes obviously she made a lot more on the royalties that then obviously paid off the advance but yeah I mean, yeah oh do you have to pay it off it's like basically a loan isn't it yeah so the advance is like it's like this kind of uh it's this it's this kind of thing of trust it's it's buying the book with this payment of trust and they offer that saying you're going to sell more than this and the books so we're going to give you we're going to pay you with this and then you will continue to make it off in royalties so it's kind of like, it can be like taking a risk sort of thing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. But apparently like 90% of advance aren't aren't paid back, but the 10% that are make up for that. Right. So the publishing industry is very weird the way it's balanced. Oh, so you don't have to pay it back? <laughs> no, you. it's not the author's responsibility. It is paid back by the book sales. Oh, okay. That's, what I was, that's why I said it was like a risk. So like... If Richard Osman got like an advance of seven figures or whatever, and it doesn't sell well. I was like, does he have to pay that back? No, no, he do, he wouldn't. Have, that's all. That's the public. The publisher would be out of the money. Right, fascinating. But I'm sure they probably like give Hums like say ten million or whatever, whatever they might does. They'll ask for like twenty million back or something, you know. 
I think this book was actually put up an auction, and I'm not sure how common that is. So there was actually people bidding over this book. Well, like publishers, you mean? Yeah. Wow. So that's that's all. I think that's also pretty unprecedented. I, I don't know how common that is. Well, that's that's fascinating. <laughs> but uh, let's let's move on anyway to the plot guest review. Now, I had a, a bit of a fun time rereading these. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean. The, the two of them, I don't think they're, either of them is like a million miles away, but one of them is the clear winner. So I'll just I'll just go over them again. So, Johnny, you said uh, it's a group of people who like crime or are intrigued with murder, and they like murder so much that they end up committing murders, and that's why they meet up <laughs> on a Thursday. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll tell you what, right? I know that the winner, who the winner is, it's obviously Michael. But I... Uh, you know, I don't think I was too far away with that. You know? uh, yeah, uh, no, I mean, <laughs> nope. uh, to be honest, that's what that's what I mean. That's, I had a, a bit of a laugh reading that because it actually turns out that one of the a former member of the Thursday Murder Club commits one yeah, of the murders. Exactly. No, no yeah. spoiler. So I mean, you were right. Well, yeah, sure. partly right. I mean, I wouldn't say she li- likes murder so much, but <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> she she did do a murder. So uh, yeah. And uh, it's yeah. not really the purpose of the club. She no, is, yeah. She no, goes, no, no. Yeah. yeah. I'll get your I mean, reason, yeah. but I was close. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you were still uh, close to the money. But Michael, you said uh, it's a cozy mystery, and I think from that almost clinches the whole thing. Then you went on to say they're like true crime fans, obsessed with murders. Um, you did say no one from a crime background, so that's marks down for that. Yeah. But, other than that, you said uh, they get together to discuss crimes and stumble onto something and start solving a murder. So, I mean, that's that's bang on. Yeah, I have to admit though that I did uh, I did borrow some of my premise from like the I think it's on Disney no no murders in the building or something you call it. Oh yeah, only murders in the building. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's uh it's like a TV show about I think their podcast uh, true crime fans or something like that. Yeah, and they. And they do the same thing. Is it any good? I haven't watched it, but have you, have you, Jason? I watched like one episode and didn't really like it, but I know a lot of people seem to love it. I'll give it a message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so jump jumping into a review then. So, I mean, for me, I feel like super ambivalent towards the whole thing, uh, particularly the mystery aspect. Um on one on the one hand, I, I did really like it. It kept me guessing every step of the way. Uh, but I couldn't help feel bogged down, uh, pun intended, by all the detail <laughs> and information we're given, which was weird for me because, as I've said many times, I love when there's like over the top details. But here, it felt like there was so much of it in such a like condensed form that it was very distracting from the the mystery part. And it sort of lessened the enjoyment of the whole thing for me. Uh, and then there was a major flaw that I realized at the end of the book that I think completely ruined it for me. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll talk about that in the, in the spoiler bit. Um, I did enjoy the characters that we meet, though. And I, and I like they, they all seem fleshed out. Uh, and they were different and interesting in their own ways. And I like that the, the members of the club aren't like best mates who do everything together. They just sort of meet up and every you know once a week or but more to share an interest, and I like the narrative that everybody has a secret or something dark in their past, um, because it, it makes it feel a bit more true to life sort of thing. 
Uh, maybe maybe over exaggerated in some cases, but I think you get my point. Uh, but again, there were, there were so many characters. I, I didn't count, but uh, I think I seen uh, like a, a, t- a tally somewhere, and it was bananas how many characters we hear about. Uh, and th- there was like micro details for all every single one of them, um, and it, it was just yeah distracting. Like I said, so I guess uh, open to the floor. What what's your take on that? Like, did you um, what, what do you th- think about the mystery aspect and uh, the numerous characters that we we're introduced to? I completely agree with what you actually said there, Stephen. Like, I think I've brought this up for previous books. Like that, um, I don't really like when the books all over the place. And there's a lot going on. Like, I kind of like a straight straight story so I did find it a wee bit all over the place at times um, but all in all like I thought it was a decent book like I, I know people have absolutely been raving about this book and the series like I thought it was good but you know I didn't absolutely love it or anything but it was yeah. you know it was entertaining but yeah I think yeah, a cosy mystery is, is, is probably the best way uh, to describe it like and like I've like yourself I've tried to like maybe get into these more crime mystery books and stuff um, obviously we've done maybe two I would say on this but we've done Slow Horses and then Rivers of London is semi kind of crime as well and you know I haven't been the biggest fan of those but I'm definitely warming up to it and I'd say this one you know was kind of another step up in terms of my enjoyment on them so um, definitely getting something out of it Cool and j- just on what you said there about the um, about it being all over the place like to, to me at times it felt like it was almost more of like a slice of life book about old people in a retirement community than it was about a mystery, you know? Yeah, like I think, like even though you probably wanted it to be more about the mystery, where it was I, it was, I think if you listen to the wee Richard interview after it, he was kind of saying, you know, it was more about the characters, like and like their kind of relationships and all, that's what his focus was. So I guess that's what he was going for, but yeah, I think we probably would have rather it been more on the other side. Yeah, for for sure. I think I think if it if I had expected it to be like that, I would have enjoyed it more. Does that make sense? Like if I I expected it to be a pure mystery novel, uh, you know. So, yeah. I had worked with like a lot of ladies who had already read the book when it first came out, so I had, like I already had a very good understanding of what I was getting myself into. We old ladies chatting about waitress and very relatable. <laughs> UK things, and then occasionally talking about murder. <laughs> but I mean, I enjoyed them. I wouldn't say they're groundbreaking. Like I've obviously listened to all three of them, as I said. But I do, I do find them enjoyable. I do find the first one is one of the stronger ones. The first one's one of the stronger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Might might give him a massive no. I think. <laughs> I think I think I will uh, finish the series. Um, but yeah. I'll be I'll be not expecting what I did this time. Uh, so Stephen, uh, when we ha- we did the Mustborn review, you said to me that you had been dreading doing the review. Yeah, I feel a bit similar about this, but not not because I hated the book, but because because it's a very mixed bag, and I'm not sure why. And I'm tr- and it's just I'm trying to figure out how to express that, and that's why I've been kind of dreading talking about it. Before before I started this book, I kind of read into it a wee bit. That's where I heard about the big massive advance. And I saw things, I saw words like charming and enchanting and all these used about it. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go with that kind of in mind. So I listened through to it. I thought the characters were really well developed. I thought Joyce and Elizabeth were really excellent. I thought um, 
Donna and Chris, the the cops, I, I really liked, I really enjoyed their parts. And then there were the other parts, the other POVs, they didn't really grab me that much. Um, anytime I cha- changed to any characters who weren't those four, I kind of, I just wasn't as engaged with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the setting, uh, the, what was it, Cooper's Chase, I yeah. thought was it was fine. Like it was, it, it reminded me of some English villages I have been on. I've been on those kind of retirement villages, and and it did bring me to that. My my big issue, and I, I so I've touched on as I, I always say the triangle of setting, character, and plot. My big issue was as with the other part of the triangle, which is plot. I did not think the mystery was really that interesting, to be honest. Mm. I I thought at times you know the the history of the priest and stuff i thought that was interesting there was aspects to it which were good but i was never i was never like the way i have been with something like the girl with the dragon tattoo where i just like i need to find out what's going on here i need to find out what's going next going on next i i never felt like that with the plot so so it was it was definitely a mixed bag for me i enjoyed these characters i thought they were well developed but ultimately I did find myself wondering, you know, what what is the hype with this book? Kind yeah. of, I just I feel like I I didn't get it. Yeah, I think I think we share a lot of the same views. Like, did you did you think there was like an over the top amount of fluff? Like, a big chunks of the book could have been cut out, and it still you know would have been fine. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think it could have been streamlined a lot. I think another issue. I don't want to. I don't want to harp on about this every time we have a, a book with multiple POVs. <laughs> I don't want to say the same thing over and over again, but it did suffer a bit from slow horses syndrome as well. I think where it was like it was written, I think this book was written like a TV show, with yeah. those quick changes of scenes and quick POV changes. And Richard Osman has written for TV, so that yeah, would make a lot of sense that he's. Yeah, I, I think it was in the the interview at the end where he says that like he's a TV writer. I didn't know that. I thought he was just like a presenter. Yeah, I didn't know that until that as well, but. But when I when I heard that, it made, it made a lot of sense for how this book was written. I think uh, I think it was written very like a TV show. And I know that. Sorry if you guys have this as trivia, Spielberg. but I'm gonna bring it up here. <laughs> oh, um, I know what you're I gonna say. <laughs> Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Yes. Yeah. Is looking to adapt this into a movie. I think it will work very very well as a movie. It just I did not quite get the hype about the book. Well, I yeah. mean, they skip ahead. It was announced. I think just. In March or something, the film is going to start this year. Oh, really? Right. Do we have a cast? I don't think so. Hmm. Like an elderly British lady. <laughs> Get all the old, <laughs> old British people yet. Judy Dench. Oh, fact there. You could get Leslie Manville in. <laughs> the, the narrator. Uh, she's not... She's she's what, like, near 70? Uh, don't know, but... Uh, she, she has the voice for it, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> she could be Joyce. What age is Emma Watson these days? I'm sure she could give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, it's a self-deprecating joke to listeners because I happen to be the same age as Emma Watson. <laughs> <laughs> um, just just to focus on something you said, because this is what I was going to talk about next, Michael, is the, the POV part. I think we've talked a few times about the, the POV switches and... Uh, being an issue at times and I and I think it was really jarring this time around like um, sort of uh, as you hinted at especially 
the parts, the Joyce chapters, as I call them, where it, it like switches to Joyce as POV, but it's like a diary entry, so it switches from it's for, it's first, first person, person to yeah. third person, yeah. which was a bit weird um, and tucked me out of it a bit. Um, now there were I did find funny moments in those chapters, like you know her musings on ASOS and Tinder and stuff like that. I thought I thought they were quite funny, but the the switch is it was the switch was very um, yeah jarring. And I guess another thing we uh, we talked about last time was the short chapters being a problem, and I really felt it this time. Yeah, definitely. There were some like two minute chapters and stuff, and I uh, yeah, that doesn't bother me at all actually. It really doesn't bother me. Short chapter. I don't know why it bothers me so much. If anything, I just hate like a desperately long chapter. I say I'm actually <laughs> reading the book where I'm like, oh my god. I don't want to stop reading or finish a chapter and you're like yeah. still 20 pages away. See, I think I said last time that when it's a super long chapter it depends, who, like if it's a POV book it depends whose POV it is. Yeah. Um, but I suppose because it was my second time listening to it uh, it didn't really I didn't really pick up on it at all. Probably because I sort of already knew the plot and knew everything. But I wasn't really like hearing it all for the first time and like Getting like trying to get my ground and my bearing of like who's speaking or what's happening. Yeah, don't think I had loads yeah. of issues with it the first time round. Johnny, what's your take on the POVs? I know you, you have some gripes about slow, uh, short chapters. Uh, no, well, I don't mind short chapters. I, I do the POV switching, like I've said, Michael coined a good term there, so horses syndrome. Um, which I'll, I'll, I'll like that one. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I think I don't think it was as bad as Slow Horses. I think I mean maybe it was only because it was really only Joyce's like diary entries was the main like switch. Um, but sometimes it would be like her diary and she'd be writing about Elizabeth, and then like it would go on to the next chapter, and then it would be like Elizabeth talking, and then you kind of the the switch was like it was almost like seamless and took like in a bad way, but like you didn't really notice. You, like cause, cause if I missed, didn't even know it was a new chapter, I might not have heard like say the new chapter coming on. So I was like. Is this still the same thing, or what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whereas, because yeah. her point of view is probably like going to be in the past tense, whereas uh, the, just because it's a diary entry, she's writing the past tense, whereas uh, then everything else happens in the present. Um, chapter wise, I don't mind like a short chapter. I think maybe like there probably there was a couple like really short ones. I think there was one that was like less than a minute, <laughs> and like <laughs> wow. like that's about ridiculous. Um, I'd say like ideally, I like I would like a kind of uniform like spread of chapter like somewhere between five and ten minutes and kind of like all the chapters are around that like i don't like when it's like a wee two minute one and that goes into like 30 minute one or something like that you know um yeah yeah that'd be my opinion on chapters but i don't think too bad in this book but yeah there i can see that there might have been a couple of issues with that i mean the the the, i mean the problem that i had was that it was it's because it's like a, a suspenseful type type story right it'll be it will be something like it'll be a really short chapter and something will be revealed and you'll be like <gasps> but then it would switch and go to somebody completely different who's not even like around so like you know you, you have to wait to, and then they have a long chapter so you have to wait to kind of go back to the thing it's frustrating because you want to see the reaction yeah yeah like the issue i i have with the short chapter thing is like i find it takes me about three or four minutes to kind of get immersed into yeah. like the character's head Absolutely. so that's that's just the point where i'm getting properly into the character's head so if, if chapters cut at that point to a different pov kind of that's where it, it sort of feels jarring to me 
but this is a this is a thing with thrillers uh it is common for for thrillers to have shorter chapters because it gives readers the feeling that they're just oh i'm just tearing through this book that's what you know thriller, thriller publishers want they want the reader to be like i can't believe i finished 30 chapters today uh, this book is i just can't put it down you know that's the feeling they want to to give the readers yeah well what, what was definitely the, the, the chapters like 115 chapters or something like that <laughs> Yeah, I think it was 115. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I guess it seems it seems far too many to me, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't have so much an issue either with um Joyce's uh, diary entries or the the switching to first person. It reminded me of uh, the Name of Wind by uh, uh, Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. He does that where um the character the characters are initially written in third person, then a character is telling a story, goes to first person. Then it switches back to them and present day third person, and it keeps switching around like that. And I think he does that extremely well in that story. And I thought I thought this was done well as well. It was just it was the other characters that I had the issue with. Mm. Okay, I think I think we've talked that to death. So I don't I don't want to like keep talking negatively about the book uh, because there were a lot of aspects that I did like, but I, I am going yeah. to um, because. <laughs> my 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 biggest gripe, right? My biggest gripe was that at the end, when I'd finished the book, I was thinking back and I was like, thinking this is it was impossible for the listener or the reader to work out who the murderers are until the very end. Yes, and I did not yes. like that at all. Because I mean, yes, be, I don't I don't know I I I feel like the depth of character detail that we were given. That it should have been possible for you to work it out if you pay pay close enough attention, and it was just impossible. There's a lot of red herrings that are thrown at you and scattered about that make you think, "Oh, this person could have done it, or that guy was involved, or, or what this, that, and the other." And it was a serious letdown for me when when I found out that no, you couldn't. You, there, it was literally impossible to to figure it out until the character of John tells you, or Bogdan reveals at the end that he did it. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, I, it really deflated me. Like, and I had to throw me a corkboard with all the, you know, like clues <laughs> and evidence and bits of string and all. I had to throw that out <laughs> in, in anger. Yeah. So, like. Yes. Yeah, Michael, you you go. Yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying, Stephen. Um, I don't I don't think it was, I don't think enough clues were given. Uh, you don't necessarily need the reader to figure it out. I think the ideal you want the reader to figure it out slightly before the characters. Like yeah, I'm not, I'm not, say, I'm not saying before. I'm not saying the reader has to figure it out, but I, I think I would have liked it that you, if you could look back and say, oh yeah, that this this leads to that, and then this, and then oh yeah, I can see like the thing that the thing that I always think about is like the Sixth Sense or Fight Club, where what you don't get those twists usually most people don't get them but then you rewatch the movies and you're like oh my god how did i not get this yeah. that's how you should feel i think ideally you should be like how did i not see this it's so obvious that's mm-hmm. i think that's the feeling you really that's the ideal where it looks so obvious the second time you experience the story you're you're spot on like you know it was just very much out of the blue i don't think there was any sort of indication of like who it was and like re-listening to it I spent the entire time being like, who is the actual killer? Because I couldn't remember. 
Yeah. And then I got to, I got to the end and I realized what was about to happen. I was like, oh yes, this is the big reveal. After the other big reveal. Um, yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, it came around the word, didn't it? Yeah, for definite. It was a, it was Five a serious moment. later. I I was waiting to like be like you know mind blown sort of moment and it never happened. That was raging. This this book, like, maybe I I read too much Stephen King and I'm just in a dark place too much, but I really think Joyce should have been the killer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and she, I, I like think the, that would have been... The last chapter was just, like, diary entry by her admitting that she did it then. <laughs> it's a, the yeah. last chapter is, like, five, five seconds long. It just says, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that. I would have five stars straight away. <laughs> Yeah, somehow, somehow uh, that would have been better. I would have preferred that for yeah. sure. <laughs> Jonathan, I have to admit, I thought you were abs- ever. We're just listening to this book while I was listening. I constantly had the thought, Jonathan is going to hate this. So, book. so did I. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. As a key's going to slip this badly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's too much going on here for Johnny. Like, it's not just one simple yeah. line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a simple man, simple pleasures. Like, I don't go this mad, like, jumping all over the place. And then, like, me and I absolutely agree with everything that you guys have said. Like, it's like they, they throw you about all the, over the place. And then at the end, it's like, oh, no, it was on me. Like, nothing to do with, like, any of the things he's been pointing at the whole the whole time. Like, I know, yeah. Like, I, I, I agree with you. So I think it was, I don't know if, like, I don't want to say it was, like, lazy on his part. I want to say that he was just focused on the characters. Like, you know, the reason why. They killed the people, you know, was out of love or whatever, all that, you know, nonsense. And like, of course, <laughs> like, of course, that's going to be more on the character side, you know, like these are, these like, even though they've done something bad, you know, they did it out of love. So it's like a good, bad, a, doing a bad thing for the right reasons or something. Like, so that's obviously yeah. more character orientated rather than I, he just wasn't really focused on the mystery side of things. Like, so, yeah. 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 I think I think we should acknowledge too that this is an extremely beloved book and most people who read this seem to love this. It's just unfortunate that nobody on this podcast did. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> um, I, I like yeah. it. I like it. I, I, I was like hoping it. you would Don't get me wrong, I, I, I do think, yeah. like it. It's just there was a lot of things that I had issues with. I did I did enjoy listening to it. I think perhaps Yeah. I think Leslie Mamble's a very good narrative. I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. <laughs> but I do think that maybe, not like judging it too harshly, I think you all had in your head that it was going to be like a really big murder mystery and that's what you were expecting. Where like, I'm just quite happy that it was just like a nice cozy yeah. wee story that came out in the middle of a pandemic when everything else was going to shit. And it was just like, just I a wonder nice wee is time. That, could that be why it's so loved and why... I think, yeah. You know, because... Uh, yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, like, really wrong with it. I'm just saying, could that be why it's so hyped and we're not getting it? Yeah, yeah, because I think it is like it's like it's a lot of uh, good. It's slow village life, and I'm sure to to a lot of people just pick this up, and it just feels it feels probably the way watching the office does to me. It's just comfort. Mm. It's a nice it's a nice little time for people. It's just, it's probably something that just didn't resonate with me, but I can understand that emotion going to something for comfort and, and that kind of cozy mystery genre. It just, yeah, it, it just doesn't strike a chord with me personally. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was absolutely, like you said, just I was absolutely expecting like a full-fledged murder mystery that, that ties itself all together at the end, like, you know, like Knives Out or something. I was looking for that. That's yeah, I love I that movie. <laughs> Has anybody got any books like that? <laughs> <laughs> I may have some up my sleeve. Sweet. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Move on to the, uh, the the spoiler review. So we'll throw any spoilers you got now. Um, <laughs> we we threw um, all the spoilers out there. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm not going to step through the whole plot. Um, as we do sometimes but uh, I wanted to focus more on like so one of the themes uh, the characters uh, some of the characters I should say the main characters and I guess I want to focus a good bit on the actual murders and talk talk about them um, okay so theme I think a big theme for, for this and we've we've touched on it a few times here is that like everybody has a secret everyone has a history and like things aren't always what they seem People have skeletons in their closet, and you know, as Johnny said, they some sometimes people do bad things for good reasons. I mean, for for me, I, I really liked that part, you know, or liked that that was a, a big a big theme, and it added something to the mystery because w- once you see it a few times, you know, you're starting to th- kind of question everybody, or at least I was trying to you know question everybody like what's what's this guy done, or you know, yeah, they're looking shifty sort of thing. Uh, I mean, like every everybody has secrets, and nobody's super clean cut. Uh, like you would think they are. Like the priest, the cop, the vet, the nurse, the former boxer. They've all they've all done something bad, like seriously bad. And yeah, it is it is sometimes a case that they, they did it for a good good reason, or or even just out of circumstance. Well, I mean, did the priest really do something bad? Or did he just fall in love? Well, I mean, it depends where how you look at it. He, yeah, he felt, That's a Catholic you Yeah, if you're a good Catholic boy. He's a, <laughs> he broke his voice. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't think I don't think he really did anything bad. You're, you're sort of led to believe that he did, and it's you're certainly he's certainly one of the main suspects for a good chunk of the book. For like as soon as. Um, as soon as there was like that conversation with him and the police, I was like, he definitely did it, because he's being very shifty here. And it was he was on the uh, the scuffle with um he and Ventham, wasn't he? Yeah. Just before he he collapsed. So, yeah. but then I, I think that part made it seem like it would it was like a Severus Snape kind of moment and and Chim- and uh, Philosopher Stones where it was like pointing at him too obviously. So it was like, oh no, maybe it wasn't him because this this scene is very clearly pointing at it as him mm. so it would be too obvious nearly but i think her. yeah i think i Stephen, you did touch on one of the one of the strengths again of the book i think character motivations are really on point um marianne keys does an interview with um with richard osman after the book and she uses a word over and over again to him say using say tenderness mm. and i think uh that is true a lot of the characters they've got very heartfelt emotions and and their you know their motivations are all they're all there they're coming from a good place even when they're doing bad things so i think i think character motivation was something that is handled really strongly in this book yeah i mean i think i think there was in the interview as well at the end that the, there's only really one bad character and it's it's ian Bentham. <laughs> yeah yeah he like is, is is truly a bad person just the way it goes on with everything so 
that that was that was interesting to me as well. Um, in the end, yeah, of all the like your point, then there's actually one bad person who Say, actually gets killed. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah he deserved it in, in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were there were some some things like as I said, the priest's secret, where you know he was. Um, he had a relationship with a nun, and you know she she committed suicide and everything, and then he got kind of, um, what's the word, excommunicated from from the church, and it went on to be a doctor, and then he came back eventually, and all that. There, I think that it was all really interesting, um, and it was like a, a nice money mystery alongside the other ones. I think it's like one of the strongest bits of the book as well. Even like that little story sort of tells. I think it's definitely like a very emotional part of the book. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was a it was a good moment. Um, yeah, and then like we have we have the guy I can't remember his name. Uh, was it Bernard, Bernard Cottle or something? Yeah, he kept he kept Bernard. his wife's ashes so that he could stay close to her and, and everything, and let his daughter believe that she'd scattered the ashes. Um, that was a bit of a weird one, but it was it it was, it was definitely a nice detail. I think that was included. I th- again, again, I think they focused too much on him. Like it seemed like they they pegged him for sitting on a bench. <laughs> they were like, he he shifty. he did. Uh, He's always shifty. He's always sitting on that bench. So there was a lot, a lot of suicide in this book. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. You know, there was uh, there was a uh, Bernard. There was a uh, John and Penny at the end. I think. Yeah, there was, I see, a, right I now, I, there was I, another character I can't think of as well. The the nun as well oh yeah the nun as well oh, yeah yeah, yeah I, I said two in the, at the start but I suppose it is actually four well three well yeah P- Penny was more like an assisted suicide type euthanasia type. yeah yeah euthanasia yeah. yeah but yeah I mean can we can we stop and talk about Penny for a minute I don't know well, I suppose I suppose that would well yeah let's 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 talk about the characters but so can we yeah can we're we, on spoilers yeah <laughs> let's talk about Penny a bit because I really think that she could have been completely cut from the book because oh, like, really? yeah because i mean she she doesn't she's she's a in some scenes but she literally doesn't do anything i know she has dementia and everything right but she's she not in she, a coma she, she literally can't do anything well, i don't know if she's in a coma is she in a coma but but i mean yeah so she, she's just kind of there right and i i think it might have been better if joyce was just penny the whole time and like she didn't join the the club and all that part you, you know and also the the killing that that she does. So, listener, if if you haven't read or listened to the book, Penny, while she was a a, a, a detective in the police, she she killed a guy because he'd killed his wife and got away with it, and that's one of the the four murders. Um, but I I, I think that one specifically could have been caught completely, and it was a lot of like, it it added to like the bulk of the book. Well, I suppose like she is one of the murders. At the end of the day, like she is, like it ties the the murder mystery together. Because like, I'm pretty sure it's like the first paragraph is like them talking about why did this person bleed out? They shouldn't have bled out. Oh, I actually forgot Isn't about it? that. You mean when Joyce comes into the room and everything? Uh, Elizabeth's asking her about like how long it takes someone to bleed out, and does not like tie into the whole penny thing. Yeah, that's that's right because that's the one that's the murder that she did was that guy. Cause he, yeah, I I forgot all about that, but again, oh, yeah, I still yeah. I still think it could have that particular murder could have been caught because it's it's not the main focus of the book, you know what I mean? The 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 main focus is who killed Tony Curran, 
and then he invents them, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then the, 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 the other corpse that they... And, from the 70s. I, that's the one I'm talking about. I don't think that one was was, was necessarily uh, necessary to, to have happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was just it, it, something about it. And, and all the visits to her, I, it sort of took me out of it again for some reason. It's just a B-plot, like. I, I know, but it, there was, I don't know, something about it didn't sit right with me. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I kind of know where you're coming from, Stephen. I don't know if I would take Penny out of this book, but I do think it was sort of unfocused. Yeah, with the with the pl- the murders like these three, I feel like could have been reduced to two somehow, or or there could have been something that felt didn't feel as convoluted or or something. It just yet yeah, there was I don't know what, what four, four murders. There was four, but two two happened during the story, and two are historic murders. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So I suppose let's 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 talk about the rest of the the murder club. So we have Elizabeth. Who's sort of the? I say I use this term a few times, Michael. Maybe you can uh, you can correct me. So she's almost like a Mary Sue, right? Where she kind of has like an answer for everything. That's that's you, what it, you used that yeah you, you use Mary Sue and uh, the Philosopher's Stone, and I like I said I think I don't think Hermione was a Mary Sue, but I I do sort of agree with you here. I do think Elizabeth is a bit of a Mary Sue. I think yeah. she. She's. I think she she solves too many solves too many problems without any conflict. Yeah, and she does it off screen, and it's sort of unsatisfying. I feel. Yeah, she that, and she just seems to have like endless contacts that she can call on just to advance the plot or to solve a small problem that the cast seemed to be having at the time. Yeah. If yeah. Future spider like, territory. It just gets worse. Does, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and like the whole so throughout the book we're kind of it's it's heavily implied uh, but not outright stated that she's some sort of spy like MI5 or something like that um, so she she has all these contacts that she can just ring up and say hi hey, I did you a favour can you come and look at these bones for example <laughs> that that was a bit yeah. out of nowhere but yeah or, um, she, or she just knows a guy who can happens to be able to you know uh can date bones yeah and tell you yeah. know i just i just know a guy <laughs> happens to know a guy who would also just do that you know yeah. highly illegal <laughs> yeah uh, he's no bother with he's he'll, he'll do it no bother just a couple of baskets and he'll be, he'll be happy enough and some tea yeah what tea uh. Like, I think I can sort of see what Richard Osman was trying to go for here. It was like, how funny would it be if one of these characters was sort of James Bond? Like it's, another <laughs> bit of, yeah. it's another bit of juxtaposition to make it, it funnier. But I think I, I think there was just a, that issue with her just solving the conflicts and it was too easy and not earned enough. Yeah, I, d- I agree Dench with... From the newest... Uh... James Bond movies, the Daniel Craig ones like that as Elizabeth, like you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be good casting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I agree with both points that you made there, and I I don't find it kind of funny sometimes though that like everybody else in the group is is almost useless to like for solving <laughs> crimes, but she's like class at it. There was there was a bit of humor there, like for sure. Okay, so we also have Ibrahim, and he's the sort of clever one of the group. Uh, not 
at solving crimes necessarily, but he he has all this random information that he can you know if you, if you're looking to find something out about some random thing, he he can tell you off the top of his head. Uh, and him and Ron have a sort of odd couple relationship where like you know they're not the usual two people who are like good friends where like one is a bookworm and sort of know it all and the other person is like a tough more like brutish character who likes a good pint uh, and I, I enjoyed their dynamic quite a bit I was going to say I feel like Abraham is definitely not fleshed out Aye. very much in this book I definitely feel like he's one of the least fleshed out if not the least fleshed out of the main characters anyways and you're right he just he just seems to because he's he worked as a what, psychiatrist or psychologist which just means he knows everything about everybody yeah yeah um, which which is not how it works but <laughs> yeah i think i think i agree yeah i think he is definitely the, the least unless you count penny as well he's the least fleshed out member of the group um but i suppose ron is close but he kind of gets more uh fleshed out because of his son's involvement in the whole thing yeah you, you learn a bit more about him yeah michael you gonna say I, something? I think uh yeah, Ibrahim and Ron to me felt both felt a bit two dimensional. Um, I know we do get a lot of Ron's history or anything, but I didn't I didn't really get a strong sense of his personality. Uh, I sort of got that he was a gruff guy, but it just it just didn't really come across that strongly to me. Um, I think their their relationship together was more interesting than them as as individuals. Yeah, is what I'll say. I, I think I agree with that for, for sure. What I would say, again, I know we're focusing on the one book, but I would definitely, uh, this must be like a common enough, not complaint, but something that Richard Osmond picked up on, because I would say Abraham definitely gets fleshed out more over the next two books. Yeah, I, I sort of, I read ahead of uh, the second book, and I, I, I know what you're you're hunting at there. So, um, yeah, so Johnny, anything to say about Big Big Abe? Uh, no, again, just agree. Um there wasn't too much about him like um yeah so he wasn't as well fresh out as yeah like i think that the main dynamic is joyce and elizabeth really out of the the four yeah um which i actually think i I know we haven't spoken about the narrator but i think you know that's kind of sit the narrator suited that like better you know like i feel like like she was good at the the woman voices but maybe not as good at the men voices so you know i maybe didn't enjoy listening uh being that this is an audiobook like i didn't enjoy listening to them as much I, as I, I, like, I like the men voices. I think particularly Ron. I think I, th- I don't know some some about her delivery of him, um, kind of um, kind of added to to the you know the, his character for me. Yeah, I think I could definitely picture him like when she was speaking. Aye. Yeah, I think like Ron for me like um, yeah, I think he even like, talks about this as well in that like interview after um, about like Ron. Kenneth, like he's trying to make him this like hard man character or whatever, but he is kind of like, you know, he's he's always like looking out for you as well. And like that's again like kind of more targeting the the word tenderness as well. That's Michael's mentioned before. Like you know, it's there's this kind of really good side to every character. Um, and again, so they always like he seems like he's always trying to like bring out the good of every character, even like the ones that don't seem as good on the outside. You know, that's a really good point. Yeah. I suppose uh, let's uh, with that then let's let's talk about Ron a bit more. Uh, I, I guess we've we've said quite a bit about him already. So he, he's kind of the he's the tough guy of the group. Um, but as Johnny pointed out, he's got a softer side as well. I think it all boils down to his depression. Like you know, he was a union leader. Yeah, he was striking. Like 
yeah, he clearly cares about people and human rights. But I think definitely, especially with what his age, when he would have been striking, like realistically, minor strikes, stuff like that, he would have had to have been hard as nails. That's a really good, those are really good points, yeah. I know, I didn't pick up on that. Well, I mean, that's just, just what I'm inferring on to the character anyways, you know. No, that's, that's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on to, get on to Richard and tell him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think I think that's there's not much more to say about him. Like he's he is, we we hear a good good bit about him because of his, his son, um, is it Jason Ritchie, and he's got like some connections to the the underworld a bit, uh, sort of gangs and drugs and stuff like that. So I thought I thought there was a weird um, kind of relationship there where like Ron seems on on the face really like. Um, like good, like a good, like a a good person. Where his son is a bit more murky, you know, and their relationship was was kind of interesting to me. Uh, I suppose then last last but not least is is Joyce, and she's the sort of the level head of the group. Um, we got a lot of info from her, like personal reflections on events that have happened through her diary entries, and you know just her the way she you know. Um, uh, her understands understandings of the different things they've investigated and everything, and she was also a source of entertainment. Uh, like uh, I think I said before about her her thoughts on like ASOS and Tinder, I, I thought it was quite funny. Um, I, I and again one gripe that I had with her was that the it's it's at the start it kind of plays up that she's a new member and all on all that, but it, it sort of never really explores it any any further. Um, she kind of just falls right into it. Which is isn't a bad thing. It's just something I thought was kind of weird. And like I said, I I think maybe Penny should have just been removed entirely and placed Joyce, and then it, it's revealed that Joyce is the killer all along. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I would have loved that. Yeah, but I think he knew he was making this into a franchise. Yeah, he was never yeah. going to make the main character of. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, like, does does anybody have anything about uh, Joyce? Um. I, I, I like Joyce. I thought um she was probably my favorite character in the book. I thought she had the the strongest sense of character, the strongest voice. I think she was the most developed and everything. Um her observations I don't think I didn't ever laugh at the book, but I, I did find them amusing. Um is it, is it her who has the coffee and walnut cake? Is I think so. I actually I actually had a vegan coffee and walnut cake in the middle of reading this story so it's becoming sort of a thing where i will eat something from the book so i'm just very impressionable and <laughs> you actually you had the potato pancakes didn't you from the uh all yeah quiet for all quiet so, so what i'm gonna try and and eat eat an item from each book <laughs> going forward <laughs> yeah, when you drive this across pride to get a potato pancake yeah. <laughs> that was the yep that was the whole reason what, what did you think of the of the cake it was it was very good. I don't know if they used almond flour on it, but it was very good. <laughs> Not almonds, uh, just devote... all almonds. <laughs> <laughs> should we devote a section to that? Just Michael's, uh, I don't know, Michael's food corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I suppose any anything else about Joyce, or will we just move on to the murders and talk about the the meat of the book? I think she's the best character. Yeah, Michael said it already. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's 
let's let's go under the murders now and, and and talk about this for the the kind of rest of the the podcast here. So, I suppose there's two main murders. There's two murders that actually happen in the book. And while, as I said, while investigating these two historic murders are revealed, one is only hinted at, but only the listener finds out the kind of, you know, who did it sort of thing. Um, or actually, sorry, w- one of them uh, is only implied, that being uh, Gianni, that he that he's dead. But uh, so only the reader kind of finds out at the very end that, that he is, in fact. Um, through one of the a reveal from one of the, the other characters, but I suppose going going in sort of sequence here. So t- Tony Curran, so uh, Tony is a former builder and partner of Ian Ventham, who's the landowner of Cooper's Chase. And at the start of the start of the book, we learn that Ian intends to replace Tony as his main builder with a man called Bogdan. And after after to- Tony is then murdered shortly after this, and we 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 learn that a photo was left by his body showing Tony and a number of other people, including uh, Jason Ritchie, who's the son of Ron, um, in front of a pile of money. So this this then leads to us to believe, or the police and the characters in the book to believe that one of these people in the photo must be the killer. So th- so they're all suspects. Um. We also learned that Tony and Ian had a row in the pub, very public row, the day of the murder, I think it was. So, kind of, Ian is initially the prime suspect, but he has later killed himself. Um, yeah, so, and then, as I said, J- Jason Ritchie is suspected to be the killer for, for a good chunk of the book um, because his car is spotted in the vicinity around the time of the murder, and it, it's also revealed that he made multiple phone calls to Tony on the same day. Uh, but the motive for him is a bit unclear. Um, and then the last sort of suspect is, is this man called Gianni, or Turkish Gianni is, is, is like his nickname. Uh, a lot of the book is devoted to um, him and uh, trying to work out where he is and why he might have done it and is he, is, is he still at large sort of thing. He I think he is the only one who, who might have a motive and that he owes Tony a pile of money, but... So so let's 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 talk about this one a bit. So I wanted to ask kinda who you all suspected was Tony's killer throughout the book. Um, you know, did you at first say, Oh, it was it was it has to be this person and then you, you change your opinion or um, you know, um who do, who did you think that it throughout throughout the, the story? I, I I sort of half I was I was trying to think as Jonathan said on the Slow Horses episode, it's always an inside job. So I was tr- constantly trying to align motives to the, the four members of the First Day Murder Club. So that was always what I was doing. I was trying to say which which one of them would have the motive. At points I fought possibly Ron and some kind of backstory to protect his son or something like that. But I kept, I, you know, I kept rolling that to the side when those chapters were brought on because they just, they didn't really, they weren't really foreshadowed as killers or anything. So yeah. I was I was always I was always trying to piece it together that way. I did suspect Father Mackey at times, but when Ian died and then Father Mackey was the one in the scuffle, I thought that he would have been too obvious then. So I was kind of at a loss to be honest, and I didn't I didn't really have any strong theories after that. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of went down the same sort of thing with suspecting Ron. Maybe not that he that he did did it but that he was involved i i thought jason for a lot of the book was the killer he, even after he, pr- he in quote unquote proved that it wasn't him 
which I think is a bit dubious. He sort of just got away with it, <laughs> sort of thing. So I, I was kind of thinking that he that he fooled the, the police and that his dad was in on it a bit. I thought it was bogged down at one stage because like the whole point at the start is like Ian was like, oh yeah, you're going to have to replace this man, and then like you know what we do, we do, we do that, and sort of just like left a bit ambiguous. Yeah. Like, would Bogdan kill him or not? So, like, in my head, it was like, yeah, Bogdan killed his intent and had sent him a not for this other reason that becomes apparent. It come, at, comes out of nowhere, yeah. At the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, again, I, I also suspected Bogdan at the start. But I, th- I, I, I later in the book, when, when Jason got involved and everything, I thought that it was supposed to be, like, you were supposed to be... Um, led to believe that it was Bogdan from the start um, so that I thought it was like a red heron sort of thing and I suppose it was but like it, it turned out to be him anyway <laughs> so <laughs> gotcha it was a yeah it was a, it was a red herring within a red herring it's like a a, a, a non-red herring kind of thing <laughs> Johnny so what, 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 what or Jason did you uh, have any, any other suspects um I think I definitely was on Bogdan for a bit. I, I can't. I, I never suspected any of the, the murder club. Like I never thought it was any of those. I thought maybe like Jason or something. I thought that might have been a bit interesting. But once they sort of gave us excuse, I was like, well, fine. It's okay <laughs> with me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be very, very forgiven as law law enforcement, Jason. No, it's it's fine. Absolute good cop. Grand is grand. Take it easy, <laughs> Johnny. Do you, uh, who who did you think? Um, well, yeah, I'll admit that I didn't. Even though my my original guess of the plot was that it was one of the people inside, I never for a second did think that. But it must it does make sense because um, I think the whole one of the main points, especially of this book, is that Richard is trying to get across as like you know, as like the stereotype of like people being old. And like you know, people just kind of write them off because they're old, and like ah, oh, they could have never done it, or they can't do this because they're old. And then like you know, I think that was where a lot of the humor as well came from. Like there's like a one where uh, I can't remember who it was, but one of the elderly people like tricks the cop Chris, and they thinking that he's like uh, senile or something, and he only wants to talk to Donna. They like you know that's how they got that is Ron, isn't it? Donna is Ron, Chris. Yeah. Is that Ron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Um, like it's like funny, but it's like that. But it's like playing on the fact that you know people expect you know it's easy now. Oh, that makes sense, okay. And like you, you can underestimate them a bit. Um, so it does actually make sense to me that that the killer was an ins- or one of the elderly people. Um, in terms of I, whenever the, the the priest came up, I was just like you know that's too obvious because I feel like a lot of definitely modern day literature always has this kind of like dirty priest kind of character. You know that's you know <laughs> yeah, something off like. I don't, I don't know they're just everyone's against the church and all now so i just feel like there's this character's too common it's like no it can't be that um i actually did then think it was maybe like maybe not chris but like somebody they do with like the police or something like that because i just felt like that's again although it's like an obvious things it's usually something like that but i just felt like the police were about like apart from donna they were about crap for right? yeah. this like investigation you know that was the obviously it was supposed to be the elderly people solving it because that's the whole point of the plot but it just felt like they were kind of they were about un- holding it up about they were about incompetent like, is, that, is that uh is that is that on purpose are they uh, trying to do this or like yeah so 
that's the only thing my mind was getting. But yeah, I, I didn't really see the the how the killers were. Yeah, coming I, just uh, you talked about the priest there. I I don't think I suspected him for Tony at all. Definitely for Ian, but I didn't I didn't get him for Tony at all. I I, I yeah, I didn't see. Can I just just justify to another reason why Ron would have made sense as Jonathan said thematically another theme that would have tied into that was is the one of good people uh you know doing doing a bad thing to protect someone if he had have been protecting his son that would have tied into that theme yeah so I feel like it, it could have there there could have been a backstory that was that tied him on somehow but there there never was that given so yeah okay so uh we, we, I think somebody mentioned it, but it, it's eventually revealed that Bogdan killed Tony, um, because so T- Tony and Jason and some of the other people we hear about are, are involved in some gang uh, back in the day, and uh, they they did some job, and this taxi driver got killed by them to like cover up sort of thing. So this ta- well, it was a taxi driver, right? Uh, I think, yeah, and he he like you know was their getaway driver a couple of times, and one of the people killed him, and it it happens that Bogdan is his mate, and you don't find that out till the end of the book. So that's what we were kind of getting. That we were saying it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, so he did it out of revenge. Um, was it was his motive, and yeah, it's not hinted at or anything <laughs> at all. Not foreshadowed, no. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, at the end the characters don't even that that was another thing the characters don't even find out who killed Tony (laughs) Um, they kind of go off on one of the other murders and just forget about this one entirely which was kind of weird Uh, we we only we as the listener or the reader only find out because Bogdan tells um, what's his name is it Stephen who's something like that yeah, Reason. Elizabeth's husband, Stephen. Yeah, that's... Elizabeth's husband, who's who's sort Stephen. of, um, yeah. he, he's kind of starting to get a bit forgetful, but um, yeah. So he he's not going to remember <laughs> that that he told him. So he sort of conve- confesses at the end, which I I thought right leading into that where he where he's talking to Stephen and uh, Elizabeth isn't there. I thought she's going to have this like flat bugged or something because she's an ex spy. <laughs> So I thought that that's the way he was going. We were just going like, aha, got you. I was hoping it was going to be more again because he underestimated Stephen and like Stephen actually does remember and then he yeah. tells Elizabeth. That's what I was thinking when I was confessing. I was like, oh, this is obviously going to come back to bite them, uh, but it never did. Never did. Uh, okay, so then <laughs> the the next murder is uh, Ian Ventham, who is, uh, he's, he's the landowner for the retirement village and as we said, he's a really bad guy. Uh, just I think everything about him is is terrible, but he's he's sort of um, that's his characterization. He's a bad guy, and he wants yeah. to re- he wants to remove a, a graveyard that's that's in the retirement community. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the Garden of something, but it's it basically that's it eternal, eternal rest. Yeah, and uh, it it basically is the resting place of a bunch of nuns. So he he wants to get rid of the the all the bodies so that he can kind of develop more flats or something so he's killed in front of a large crowd of people of the, many of the residents of the retirement community um, and shortly before his death he's, he's like being held in like a sort of 
like he's being held back by a number of the residents because he got into a fight with with the priest, um, and he die he dies shortly after that. So you kind of you know every every single person that was around at the time is is a suspect almost, uh, because it, it reveals that he he actually died from fent fentanyl poisoning, meaning that it had to be someone nearby just before his death. So we kind of have a you know a list of suspects, or I suppose the the, I the murder club has a list of isn't it? There was say again. I think there was thirty people present. They said, I th- "Yeah." So, so we, the the murder club kind of narrows it down to the thirty people who were were present, and they can kind of narrow it down further based on, um, who you know who the people were and how far they were and all the, all this that and sort of that sort of thing. Um, so th- I think the first one that they sort of zone in on is is this man Bernard Cottle because he's always sitting on a bench near the graveyard, and I think was he holding them back at the time. Holding Ian back when when he when he dropped dead, I th- I think he was. So they they kind of finger him for the the killer, but um, and I think they're they're a wee bit harsh on him too at times when they're questioning him stuff. Um, and sort of inadvertently cause his death. Yeah, so <laughs> so much so that he commits suicide. Like um, yeah, but I, I like the same day. Yeah, it's the like, same, fuck, I'm gonna kill myself now. The same day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I. I thought when that happened, I was like, well, it has to be him. But then we, you know, he obviously did it to escape justice sort of thing. The suicide, I mean. But then you find out from his, like, note that he, he actually didn't want Ian to dig up the land because his wife's ashes are buried there. Um, and he had lied to his daughter that he'd, um, that she, and she believed that she'd scattered the ashes where, in fact, he kept it to, like, stay close to her. Which was, was sort of sweet, but, I mean... I don't think they had to have him kill himself. I don't. I don't think Richard had to have him commit suicide. I think that was a bit too far. To yeah. Um, and then the the other kind of main suspect, I suppose, that they they focus a lot of their attention on is uh, the priest. Yeah. So Matthew is it Matthew Mackey? Yeah. And, uh, priest name. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Yeah. Has has motive it was, is it was Mackey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Father Mackey, yeah. So his motive is probably the strongest because he's he's the priest of the community, and so he didn't want the graveyard full of nuns to be dug up. Um, and he was in a fight with the guy just before he died, so you know he's he's kind of suspect number one. And then, but but you find out throughout, you know, the the priest's backstory. And I, I suppose I should touch on like when the pri- the priest is arrested. He's sort of very cryptic in his answers to the police, and he doesn't want to give anything away because they, they like did some research on him and found no, you know, documentation about him actually being a priest. So it's about sauce there, and I I really like the whole sort of mystery around that. Uh, so at, at the very end, then we find out that it was actually John who is Penny's husband that killed Ian, um, because he uh hopes to stop the development because it might reveal something that Penny had done in the past where she, I think I already said that she kind of killed this guy um, when she was a police officer because he had escaped justice and killing his, his wife um, which which was a bit weird to me that that was the reveal but yeah I suppose same thing again so who, who did you guys suspect um, throughout the, the Ian Ventham investigation? Again, to be honest, I I kind of thought it was going to be the same person who killed Tony. Oh, you thought it was um, you thought it was a serial serial killer job? 
Uh, yeah, because I felt like maybe, you know, Ian Bedford was at main substrate because obviously he was, you know, involved with Tony. And I felt like maybe, that you know, they murdered him because he either found out about it or there was some, you know, that maybe Tony and Ian were in on something together against this person or something like that. Uh, but yeah, to be honest, again, I didn't really, <laughs> I don't really see it as being in one of the elderly people or anything like that. That just, yeah, it's completely changed, changed direction on my life. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of went along the same lines because they were so closely related that you know it must be something you know related to the same same event that they were both killed. But yeah. as as it went along, I, I sort of distanced from that because w- when you find out obviously about the fentanyl and everything, I was like, well, somebody had to be there, you know, somebody had to be somebody present, and who has motive for both the murders? I, I wasn't. I was. It was kind of murky for me. Yeah. It was just left so open, like wasn't it? It was just like, oh, there was so many people here. Uh, it could have been anyone, and I think it's probably just down to how Richard Austin is writing. As as the more we discuss this book, I'm realizing, that, yeah, his writing probably is a bit terrible. Uh, <laughs> is that <Jeez>. like? <laughs> well, I mean, this was his first book, to be fair. It's a murder mystery, but like, yeah, there was never really any. It, it, you look back and read it a second time, you're like, oh yes, it was definitely this person. Yeah. There's no way of knowing that until it's revealed. Yeah. Yeah. But did did you sus did you like suspect anybody leading up to that? Or were you like Johnny and you just thought it was the, the same person killed Tony? I mean, second time round, I knew Penny had something to do with a, a murder. Right. I knew there's something to do with that. Um I honestly couldn't tell you what I was thinking. First time round, <laughs> I just knew in my head. I remember the penny and her husband had something to do with someone then. So uh, I feel like I didn't know that second time round. I was just like, yeah, well, I know what's happened, but even still, there was no like, like there was nothing written there. It was like, yeah, pointed towards it happening. Yeah. I think there was one. I was just thinking there. There, there was one. T- I think it was him anyway. There was one time where a character says something like, "Oh, you would be surprised at what I could do." Sort of thing, or what I, you know, have done, sort of thing. I can I think it was him that said that. So you, maybe that's a little nod that he might be involved somehow. But it was kind of he, he doesn't feature that much, and I, I, I thought it was like a kind of throwaway thing. I think he's not always just sitting there quiet when they're in chatting the pennies and not like. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's is that not a trope? Like like the quiet guy did it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Usually, the quiet guy has like actual some sort of dialogue. I suppose, yeah, I suppose that's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what, who are your suspects? I didn't really have anybody that I thought it was. I, I just know I was rooting for it to be Joyce. <laughs> and, uh, but I, and I, I did like the exchange of, like, the First Day Murder Club all, like, recognising that they were also suspects. I thought that was a good moment. Yeah. Uh, just them kind of saying, you know, you were also there. But, um... No, I don't, I don't really. I think Jason is. I wouldn't say Richard Osman was a terrible writer. I think he <laughs> he was excellent at characterization. Just yeah, the mystery aspect of the story was it needed. It, it was missing some beats. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I I, th- I don't think he was. A, I don't think he's necessarily a, a terrible writer. I I think I think he was learning a lot. Obviously, this is his first book. You know, I think he was learning as he was going, sort of thing. Um. Like, but, definitely yeah. the the murder mystery aspect. He 
attacking. But I mean, that yeah. also goes back to my original point. It's not necessarily a murder mystery book. It's just a very cozy wee story about these elderly people trying yeah. to be useful. <laughs> They'll have a lot of energy and like things to give to the world that they're you know stuck in an older person's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose then move, moving on then so the, the mystery body and the grave um, whose name I cannot remember and I don't think it matters <laughs> because the, the, so uh, after, shortly after Ian is killed uh, Bogdan is seen climbing this hill or something and he, he so Ian had asked him to like kind of dig up some of the bodies for some reason that I can't remember uh, so he does that and finds that one of the graves has two bodies in it, uh, like it was it was, and one of the 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 one looks much older than than the other, uh, so it looks like you know there was a third murder sort of thing, um, and we we've kind of talked about it before, but it, it was Penny that had committed this murder to get get uh, justice on someone who had killed his wife and got away with it. Um, and then it, I, I think I, I've kind of talked this one to death, but it, it, this one felt really shoehorned in to me, um, especially John uh, covering everything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, did, did, did you guys have any suspects on who did this one? I, I thought, personally, I thought it was kind of just... It, I, I thought it, was, it wasn't going to be anybody in the story. And it was just, it, you know, it just happened to be there sort of thing. So... Jason, do you know? Do you remember if you had like suspected anybody doing this? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, had a clue. I just isn't this? Yeah. Sorry, is this murder? Is this the one that? Um, so they, I think this like was the only reason for this was that they they kind of got led down a path of being like, oh, this must be related. Yeah. So the person that the the invent murder must have been here thirty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, I don't know. Like, if if, if Chilla just went with this, like, because that would have been quite interesting, or like maybe it wasn't the exact same person, but it was actually related. Like, say it was like a a, a dad and a son. Like, it could have been Ron and his son or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. like, I I think now that I think about it, I was kind of disappointed. Like that it was just uh, this is just an unrelated murder from that, that, thirty years ago by Penny. Like, yeah, and there was there was so much like so much time devoted to this part. Yeah, um, it kind of led you down the path, and like that's okay if like it leads you down the path, and then that's they distract you, and then there's this other great reason that it did distract you for, it, but it, there wasn't no reason as well that it distracted you. It was just like no reason. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I, that's what I was getting at earlier when I said this the whole penny but could have been just caught out, I think, and and saved a lot of time. Um. Okay, Michael, do you have anything, any suspects for that one, other than, uh, I guess, the same person no, who did Ian? N- not really. I, I just, I, I agree with what you ca- you were kind of getting at. This did come out of left field a bit for me as well. The whole penny, penny thing, and everything. It, I just, I felt things should have been tied together a bit better, like the the, the separate murders. Yeah, I, I find this. At one point, I, I do want to make is that. After I'd finished the book, I thought it was it was maybe almost a misdirect from from Bogdan because I, I, I after you find out that's Penny, I'm kind of like, well, why did he if he and you find out that Bogdan killed somebody else, it's like why did he kind of put the spotlight on himself there? I was like, 
was he misdirecting? Because, you know, he couldn't have been involved in this first one, so maybe that'll get people thinking, you know, he couldn't have been involved in Tony or Ian or whatever. Don't know. Um, but yeah, in- interesting. So I suppose the the fourth the fourth murder then is and it's it doesn't even it uh, there's no real time devoted to this but it's uh, Turkish Gianni, um, who is one of the suspects for Tony's murder, uh, and this this sort of subplot kind of annoyed me a lot because I, again a lot of time was devoted to this. I think there's a part where they even go to Greece or something. Cyprus. Like, yeah. Yeah, Cyprus it was a Cyprus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and yeah, it it was so much time was devoted to it and. It, it's so heavily implied like it's it's pretty much all everybody's convinced that it's him towards the end like in the book I mean um, and then we find out that Bogdan killed him years ago for the same reason that he killed Tony <laughs> and I was like wow okay I don't know um, that, that one I, I didn't think he was dead though so I, I that one came out of nowhere so there was no way to have any suspects for it um, but yeah. I suppose yeah. What 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 did you think about the the Gianni uh, investigation? I suppose that he is the killer for Tony and Ian. When it weird and that he, Ron and uh, uh, Ibrahim, Ibrahim, yeah. yeah, I find it weird that they were both just also in Cyprus. They're like you know, sent there, <laughs> but it's like also like come on, try and keep it some yeah. sort of like I know, yeah, realistic. Yeah, it's like they're sort of somehow now spies as well, where they're just you know following the police. <laughs> so it's, like, it's kind of weird. Huh? All right, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think I think that'll tie us up there for the... Elizabeth. Probably knew somebody who owned a private jet or something. Ah, uh, yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose I think I think that'll do us for the the review. It was there was a lot there, so I think I I give it a maybe a two and a half. I'm kind of. Hesitant to give it higher than a two, to be honest. But I think certain parts of it pulled it up, like the narration and um, some of the funny parts. I think pulled it up a bit for me. But and I did enjoy the book. It's just looking back, there was a lot of things that annoyed me. So I think I, I'm going to say two and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think what Richard Osman intended it to be is probably exactly you know like he did want it to just be this cosy one and not what we wanted it to be i think we were wanting more on the master side like he never like i think that's more our expectation yeah. and the reason that we're kind of like not as happy with the book i think you know if you came onto this and that's what you did want you that's probably why you would really like this book but yeah i think i agree with you Stephen. i would more um i would like the more mystery kind of side of things um and that that let it down but yeah, there was good points about this. Definitely the, um, it was something different, you know, to all these old like uh, old people doing the, the whole. Uh, they were the main characters. Basically, it was focused on the, uh, well, what's the word for pensioners? I guess. <laughs> um, Retirees. Retirees. Yes, that's the a better term. Um, yeah, and. Also, uh, I, I think we, we did mention the narrator a few times, um, but we didn't really actually do a full section on it, so I'll just give my opinion on that. I thought the narrator was really good at the woman's voice. It was, it's the first time I think we've had a female narrator, is that right? I don't think any of the other books have had one. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's the first female, yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah, it was it was really nice to kind of maybe get a different type of voice, uh, female voice, and obviously it really suited 
definitely Joyce and Elizabeth. I did say I, I didn't really like the male characters, although you guys seem to have liked them. I just didn't really think they were. I, I think it is like it's, I think it's easier for a man to do a woman's voice than a woman to do a man's. If if that makes sense. Um, it's just I don't know if that's a good thing for men or a bad thing for men. <laughs> that I'm saying that, but um, <laughs> I just think that is the case. Um, definitely most of the, in most cases, but um, no, I think the Elizabeth and Joyce were really good, and a lot definitely all the female characters, like a lot of the even like the was it Elizabeth's daughter, Joyce's daughter, one of the two. Um, there's a couple of other woman characters in it too, um, and Donna as well. Um, so yeah, the narrator I thought was quite good. Um, not amazing, nothing special, but definitely um, a nice change. Um, so overall, I think I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of good in this book. Uh, the characters were really strong. I think the setting was was you know it was very idyllic. It was a kind of it was a place you enjoyed being. But as we as we discussed ad nauseum during our review, there are a lot of issues with the plot. There are a lot of missing foreshadowing and a lot of things that kind of come out of nowhere and it just it didn't function the way I think a mystery should function. Even a cozy mystery, I think there should have been more, I just think there should have been more clues. I'm, I'm not asking for more action or anything, just it should have been, I should have been asking more questions or having more theories during this book, I feel. Uh, so I think I, I kind of, I come in against like the positive and the negative are kind of crashing against each other in equal measures so i'm gonna go right down the middle and give it a 2.5 like Stephen. uh just to touch on the narrator as well I, f- I think she did an excellent job it was it was really well read i, I didn't have any issues at all and, and thought she did probably bring bring that enjoyment level up just a tiny bit as well so like i did i really did enjoy the book obviously i've went ahead and listened to the other two asters um i do now, definitely, after more discussing it more, I do feel like there are a lot of issues with the plot. Um, but I think purely for just, like, entertainment values, I got a lot out of it. I think the narrator's great. Actually, I think she's... Uh, Lizzie Manville's done a really good job. Uh, I would probably go for a 3.5. Uh, okay, so that's the start. Uh, cool. So what's after that then? That's the comparisons to other media, right? I mean, I guess any any sort of mystery novel or story, yeah, but I mean... We brought up the the podcast one, didn't we? The only... Oh, yes. So can you touch on that again? Just to... Uh, so there's a, there is a, a series, uh, only, only Murders in the Building. It is a... Is it, is it on Disney, Jason? Yeah, Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a Disney series. Um, so it's about uh, three three people who love true crime podcasts, and they they basically are investigating a murder. So it's that kind of same premise as these out of water, you know, fish out of water murder investigators, people who shouldn't really be investigating a murder, uh, diving diving into it. So I think that's a very, you know, it's a, it's very similar premise kind of, and the main cast of that is Steve Martin. Martin Short and Selena Gomez. So oh, Steve Martin. I think it's a pretty, yeah, pretty interesting cast. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. And it's got an 8.1 on IMDb, which is solid. I think it's interesting. It's probably because it's like the most recent, the most culturally relevant cozy mystery is the American one. Like, you know, the only murders in the building where like, I think the genre as a whole is like very British. Like, you know, I think yeah. murders in a village. 
very much <laughs> like yeah thing. like i mean even to a lesser extent like you can nearly say hot fuzz is a bit like that oh, oh i love that movie i love like, hot fuzz yeah <laughs> Right enough, though. You've got like You've got all that Agatha Christie stuff. Everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuff Any, your anything Ag- watch, Agatha Christie. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, if you compare it to an American murder, it's usually just some psychopath with some sexual tendencies going around slaughtering <laughs> everyone. Well, that is usually a reality. To be fair. I know why. That's why. <laughs> I suppose that's sick. Like, the bigger American towns and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah. Usually it comes back to sex, doesn't it? Oh, geez, uh, for, most, for most killers. Sex or, or cult? Some religious yeah. cult. Or some sort of sex cult? Sex cult. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's, you get twice as many murders in those ones. Let, let's not stay on that one too much. I think there's there's so much out there. Like, like Jason said, so... We'll just we'll move on to trivia if anybody has any. I mean, Michael again stole the Steve the Spielberg one that I was gonna say. So, uh yeah, Michael's mentioned Spielberg, and I've mentioned that Richard Osman has left uh, terrestrial or like all the sort of daytime pointless. I think he's still doing the celebrity pointless and his other TV show, House of Games or whatever that is. But he's definitely left his his full time job to pursue writing these novels. So. Yeah, I suppose, I think, I think it was in the interview at the end where, or maybe it was even on the blurb where it says like that he got the, he was inspired to like write the book because he, he went to a retirement village. So I wonder, was he like, like talking to these people and he realized, you know, people have done some, some shady stuff. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea for a story. Um, I suppose my own personal trivia, I've listened to this book twice in that. Just never listen to that interview. Oh really? <laughs> nah, just I mean, it's it's. I I almost wasn't going to listen to it. Um, I thought I, I I was kind of at the point where I just wanted to move on. But I thought since I was hosting and everything, I probably should should listen to it to see <laughs> what he had to say. And it was it was okay, I suppose. Maybe yeah. they, they went on a bit too long, but just wasn't interested. I was just it was, it was okay. I'm just, I'm just like I'm finished. The Johnny, any any trivia? No, I just had the, the Spielberg thing as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm <not> Sorry. <laughs> we're all uh, down to get that one in, weren't we? Cla- classic oh. Michael, but always always spoils oh, a bit of trivia early on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so then next section is what else? Or yeah, what else are we consuming? Um, so I suppose I, I can go first. So still been catching up with the Always Sunny podcast Love, loving that I think it's they've, they've a few new episodes out and uh, it makes me laugh out loud every time every time I put it on um, it's really interesting to hear some of the behind the scenes stuff like the, the movies that the, the guys are working on at, at the minute um, what was that show called me and Sarah watched the show um, on Disney I can't remember what it was called but yesterday we watched the Michael J. Fox uh, story. If you've just seen seen that advertised, uh, so Mike Michael J. Fox, who was in like a bunch of stuff back in the day, like Back to the Future, um, Teen Wolf, all that there, and you know he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and everything. It's kind of about his um, his life from being you know a young kid to becoming a hit movie star to then getting Parkinson's and like living with it and everything. I thought it was incredible. 
Um, definitely something I would recommend for you guys to watch. I think it was on this. It was on Apple TV actually. Again, every time so we do one Apple of these. TV. Every time, every time we do one of these, it seems like I recommend something from Apple TV. But and if Apple TV is listening, um, feel free to give us free money for sponsor <laughs> for all these shoutouts that Stephen's giving. You can give it directly to Stephen actually, because I don't think Michael's mentioned it once. I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But see, that's that's the problem though with with the service is that it's 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 quite expensive and there's not that much. There's everything that's on there. I think is good, but there's not enough of it. You know, I think yeah, I think I said that. No, we've lost. Like, Five. I've lost the sponsorship. <laughs> Cut that out, Michael. I'm just telling you. I uh, like in five years' time, it will probably have built up a big library, and it will be like amazing. Like it'll be up the Netflix kind of standard. But yeah, yeah it's, it seems like that's the reason I haven't signed up there or anything yet because it's just it's there's just not shows. enough on there to make it worth it. It's, there's there's definitely a lot of good stuff on there, but it's too expensive for what it is. Um, I the only reason yeah. I have it is because we I get a free like a family plan thing, uh, for free. So we have like Apple One, I think it's called, where like me, me da, me ma, me sister, that we all like subscribed it together, and so we get that like free. You get like nice. Apple Music and everything. So the Mary Kate place for mine. So. Oh, have it is. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, I mean, I've definitely been narking you about one of these shows, but last season of Barry coming oh, yeah. out currently. Um, Stephen, also, I think mentioned that as well. Yeah. Last episode, I think. Actually, I was telling Stephen to watch it this way. <laughs> um, also, Succession last season of that earned at the exact same time. Sorry, I think they're both they are both HBO shows actually. They're both amazing TV. So yeah, all both, both new episodes of those about tomorrow morning. So um, and then I've got the new Star Wars Jedi Survivor game, uh, which I have a lot of hours done. into already. About a week. I'd love so to be playing that right now. I just can't justify the cost. Yeah, no, I, I bought it on a hang for last weekend. To be honest, so, <laughs> so I normally spend my money. is when I'm hungover. <laughs> uh, and then, well, I have been listening to "The Road" by Cormac McCarthy. Has anyone love heard or listened book. to that before? I have listened no. to it. Have read it yet? Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, very annoyingly have 17 minutes left of that book. I just didn't have time to get finished before coming on here. Um, but yeah, amazing book. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very much excited to explore more of his uh, books. Oh, it is. Um, just, just to go back to me real quick, because I've, I've remembered. So... I started watching uh, Game of Thrones again from the start. Me and Sarah going through that. Um, just, just kind of watch one a night, sort of thing. Just nice, uh, nice one to kind of fall back into. Especially since I'm listening to the audiobooks at the same time. Um, so I finally finished Face for Crows, which took uh, that's far too long for some reason. I'm not sure why <laughs> it took me so long. And started Dance. That's, and that's like 50 hours long so it's going to take me forever I guess um, and then I suppose I also started re rewatching Trailer Park Boys which is a show that I've definitely recommended to you Jason and I don't think you liked it but I love it watching all the movies and stuff it's, it's, it's great it's kind of the one I can sort of just put on in the background but I can see why people wouldn't like it <laughs> at the same time it's a sort of mockumentary type thing where these people live in a trailer and they're all terrible people 
Um, I haven't really watched much TV or any movies, really, to be honest. I'm kind of slacking on that part. I've listened to quite a few audiobooks. Um, listened to six, actually, since the last episode. Wow. What was... Not counting count the one, not this one. Um, what, what was the last so episode, like a month ago we recorded that? I think so, yeah. Wow. Uh, so I've listened to Smoke and Mirrors by Neil Gaiman. It's not the first time I've listened to that, um listened to the hunger games i listened to i found you which is another thriller uh notes from a small island by bill bryson which is a very strange book because it's about bill bryson going to england and just ranting about everything for <laughs> and that, that's the entire 10 hour audiobook <laughs> yeah so and i've listened to will save the galaxy for food which was an amazing book it's uh kind of the space comedy genre like hitchhikers um I, I listened to a book called glucose revolution which is like a it's a book, book getting a lot of buzz right now um i talked i think i talked last time about uh a book that i really love is the obesity code by dr jason fong which is like about fasting and how it uh what what insulin does in your body and um how to lower insulin and stuff so this is about glucose which is kind of it's closely related to insulin and um it, it's it's about blood glucose and how to lower that and stuff and what blood glucose does to you and i was like very tired during like when i wasn't fasting when i'm eating i feel very tired at the moment so i'm kind of i was kind of looking for something that i could do to help that so i i listened to this book and it's as she says at the beginning she's a biochemist she's not a doctor she's not giving medical advice these are just tips that you can try and stuff and she calls them hacks so right away it sounds sort of red flag but they're they're very harmless it's like it's basically drink like apple cider vinegar diluted in water helps lower your blood sugars before you eat a meal like eating something eating your vegetables first helps control your blood sugar so i've actually been doing an experiment the last week and i've been doing most of these hacks just like I always, I always like just try these random things just to see how how they feel, and I have to actually tell you, my sleep and everything has improved and it's been great. Uh, I went kind of extreme with it then, and I was like not eating any sugar for a while. And then I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to live like that forever. So I've kind of come back to, a bit more mo- moderate version of that. But yeah, I think this, I think this is very legitimate. The the science behind it is very interesting. She. She, she knows what she's talking about i think it's 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 worth looking into anyway if you are feeling like groggy and and you're constantly getting these blood sugar crashes from food and feeling tired at three o'clock in the day like i was and feeling like you need a nap this was this is very useful for for getting more energy because i've been getting up and i've been trying to like run back and forth from work every day which requires a lot of energy and that's that's like four kilometers each way yeah, so I've been, I've been trying to like yeah like boost my energy levels and i think that's this has definitely helped a lot so i've just been like eating i've been doing very little i've just been eating like half an avocado before each meal yeah i I find it very useful for just upping my energy levels cool um some things you said there that i want to talk to you about after (laughs) (laughs) like that that's that uh that book that you said uh will save the galaxy for food i want to hear more about that great book i would definitely recommend it because i really enjoyed that one <laughs> sounds class to me to be honest <laughs> um okay um johnny um 
Yeah, so I've been going on with me watching the movies still. I um basically watching the best picture nominations from every year, so I think I'm on the last year's one now, so I've kinda a bit of the way through Coda, which was the best picture winner. Um of twenty twenty two was it? Maybe twenty twenty one, I can't remember what year I'm on there. Um but yeah I'm on that. Um and then I'm kinda doing a summer hang with TV shows. I'm watching the INDB's top two hundred and fifty TV shows. I'm gonna work my way through all the ones that I would either want to watch or have watched before. Like I'm not gonna watch any ones that I'm like like I like don't think Abbey's on there where I'm never gonna enjoy that so I'm not gonna watch it. But hey, it might be um, really good. It might be like do fair uh Kira likes it, so maybe I would watch with her, but like I'm not gonna like probably not gonna watch all two hundred and fifty of them, but like I'll work through them and watch the ones that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so I started to start off kind of watching, I'm going to have like a documentary one and like a, an actual like either drama or comedy or something like on the go at the same time. So I'm watching the Planet Earth by David, David Attenborough, that's the first one, or he's the narrator in it. Um, and I'm also watching Avatar, The Last Airbender, if you remember that from way back. Is that, um, is that really good? Because it's one, I never watched it at the time. It was about when we were like the sort of right age for it, but yeah. I, I never, I didn't me and Michael, somehow missed Me and Michael it. watched it. I didn't remember like loving it or anything, but you know what? I'm watching it now, and even though it's kind of like aimed at maybe kids or whatever, it's I still quite enjoy it. Like it's quite, it's quite good. Um, it's good, good action, good animation scenes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. And it's like way up there too. I think it's like in the top 10. Um, and there's only three seasons of it too so it's like easy enough to smash through it um, really? But yeah, I thought there was like hundreds and hundreds of episodes of that no it's three seasons but 20 episodes a season each episode's about 20 minutes so. wow um, but yeah doing that at the minute so that's me watching um, audiobook wise I've been listening to a few I have about six on the go at any one, any one time usually all in different things so um, I've been listening to Helter Skelter so with the Charles Manson murders um, so it's like, like 26 hours or something like that so it's going to take ages to get through that and like the, the chapters there's only like 7 chapters so each of the chapters are like 2 or 3 hours long because um, like the chapters it's because it's obviously a true story kind of one it's like the chapters are like the first chapters about the murders and then like you know the next one's like the investigation into this person or whatever um, but yeah that's a good kind of crime one of the Manson murders uh, I heard there's one called Chaos as well which is supposed to be even better and like uh, actually got more true um, things in it as well so um, that might be the next one they read after that or listen to um, and still continuing with Game of Thrones as well I'm on Dance with Dragons again it's, well I think it's about 45 hours in total when you start I think I've got 38 hours left so <laughs> they made a, a small dent on it I'm, I'm that, catching yeah. you on that one that's good I'm only, I'm only reading about one chapter right there because I'm reading so many other things yeah um there's a book I literally just started reading today and honestly I absolutely love it already so this is one I'm actually reading so there's a site called O'Reilly and it's basically a load of oh, yeah. um, the... mostly I use it for programming books and stuff but there's loads of things on there like there's things about architecture like mathematics, physics uh, gardening, freaking everything like it's, there's covers a lot of topics but there's a loads of programming books but it's one there's just, it's a book called Strange Code and it's about like uh, esoteric programming languages so it's about like uh, those are like programming languages which, which aren't really used for proper work or anything, but they're just interesting. Like, there's one called Mindfuck. Um, yeah, there's one called Bodyfuck, um, <laughs> and basically you use a webcam to write code 
by the movements of your body. So it's like all weird <laughs> language like that. And there's one where there's like <laughs> pictures, like or colors. It's just blocks of colors. So it's like if it sees a red, that means do this operation, or if it sees green, do this. It's just like all these mad programming languages. But that's honestly, it's so I've only read a wee bit of it so far. But geez, it's it's such a good program book if you're. Stephen, you might be interested in it. It's yeah, strange because it it's called. Good. Just, just. Um, sorry, just, just sorry. on that. There, yeah. <laughs> there was a tweet thread I seen earlier on where uh, it was like, um, basically, like UI designers competing to see who could develop the worst UI. <laughs> and it was quite funny. Oh yeah. It was like, yeah. <laughs> volume bars that when you scroll the whole way, it like falls off and <laughs> like points. <laughs> Stuff like that. I thought, I thought that was quite funny. Uh, that was funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's kind of much, kind of much it on the watching side. Um, yeah, that's that's more or less everything. Cool. You 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 reminded me of something else that I was watching. Um, it's I, I talked about it last episode was uh, Dragon Ball from the start. I got about I got about sixty episodes in, and I don't have the discs for that season, so I'm I'm gonna buy. That's the only one I'm missing for some reason. So I'm gonna. Oh, nice. Gonna order that's, that. That is on. That's on the IMDb top two fifty, so I will get there eventually. Ah, it's it's great, man. It's <laughs> like uh, if you've never seen it before, it's it's. I know you've seen Z, and it's like it's more like an adventure rather than just pure battle, you know. Uh, so it it's there. It's, it's a nice one to have in the, like in the background, and it's really wholesome and everything. But uh, yeah, I got sixty episodes on, and then I was like, oh, I don't have the discs for season three, so I'm gonna order that shortly and finish that off. Okay, so, yeah, uh, I guess move on to plugs. Uh, yeah, so I wrote a few more chapters of my serial, The Shadow Sisters. Um, just a, I want to give a wee shout out to Abigail, who is always like the first person to vote on my chapters as soon as I publish them. It's like, you know, 20 minutes later. So it's like, it's nice to know that somebody's waiting that, that soon to like just get it. Um, I'm still working, like, writing the next episode of The Dark Tales. It is, like, sadly, about four times bigger than the standard episode already. So, and I'm still not finished. So, don't know how long that's going to drag on. And I, I started my uh, another podcast for my book Soulbonder. I just, just me reading it out. So, the first two chapters are out there. I, I initially recorded them. Then I sort of was like, I think I could do that narration a bit better. So I practiced the narration before I did it for a few uh, for a while, and then I redid it, and it was a lot sharper. So I'm gonna start what before I do things. I'm gonna start practicing for a few days, and then narrate because that seems to give a better end result. So I'll probably go back some stage when I have time and re-record my episodes of the Dark Tales too by by practicing first. But um. Yeah, the the book Soulbonder anyway. It's a it's a young adult fantasy. I wrote it like in my sort of late twenties, mid mid to late twenties. Sort of going through a bit of writer's block and and maybe a bit of like depression. But so and it's weird that well, I was going through that sort of and and I wrote this like child young adult book, and now that I'm feeling okay, I like write these dark horror stories. <laughs> so it's so that's like a weird weird thing but like I found, I find this like very cathartic to write and it's kind of it, has, it was me learning to write as well like a longer book so there is clunky parts now that I reread it it's like I wish I had have handled exposition better here or this bit's a bit puffed out and everything but overall I really like the book and I'm, I'm really proud of it 
and I think there's a lot of good in it as well. And, and I think I handle like foreshadowing and the climax and, and tying plot threads together really well. And I, I really like the character still. So I think there is there is clunky things to it and everything that I wish maybe one day I could go back and improve or something. But yeah, I'm still I'm still really happy with the story as well. So I'm gonna use it as practice for my narration and put put episodes about that out week to week. Sweet. Yeah, I have actually listened to the first chapter. I think I read the first few chapters. Um, again, I've said this before. I do struggle <laughs> struggle to actually read things. Um, unless it's like a technical book. So I'm better with audiobooks. So now you're releasing it like this. I'm a lot more excited now. And I remember listening to the first chapter. And I remember after I read the few first few chapters, like, God, like, was this Michael wrote this? Like, is this crazy? Because um, <laughs> I thought it was quite good so far. Like, so definitely the start and I so um no I'm looking forward to hearing more episodes of that. Um yeah so myself I think on the last one I did mention about the new YouTube series I was doing um for my uh, YouTube channel was the Deep Sea Dave. Um so I think the first three episodes now right um I'm releasing one a week on Friday on Fridays. I've actually got the whole series done. I'm just kinda trying to uh spread out when they release because I want to you know work on the next thing so it's ready to go by the end of it. Um, but yeah, it just covers the um, some of the aspects of the C programming language and kind of looks a bit more deep behind the covers of like uh, the first ones focus on the C type standard library. Um, so just kind of like the library functions and stuff and actually seeing how they work behind the scenes and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of more just a technical breakdown of the language. But um, yeah, like they kind of I've got so many ideas of so many different series I want to do and like programming uh, side of things, but. Uh, so so little time but hopefully i'll have yeah. more things to talk about as well in the future i'm sure you're the same michael your your book projects i think that's the worst thing when you start creating it's not a like you don't you're no longer in a place where you're struggling to come with ideas it's you have too many ideas and just I know, uh, yeah that's like a it's damn like, I, like the damn uh, bursts kind of and yeah. yeah well i've got them written down anyway so i'll, I'll be able to work <laughs> on things for, for a while and uh, i'll keep me going like I remember when I was first learning about writing, I heard uh, Brandon Sanderson say he'll never have enough time to write all the books that he he wants to, and I thought, oh, I'm never going to have that problem. And I, you know, <laughs> when you start, then you you do you realize that is the problem every writer has when they when they yeah. get into it. Look at George Martin for that right. matter. <laughs> yeah. No, Johnny, yeah, but, um, I I watched the yeah, uh, the latest episode, the as digit one, and I, I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, so they're like they're only wee short episodes, like which I'm trying to I'm going to try and the target is to keep them under uh, five minutes, um, and it's just going to be like a very quick one on each, and then yeah, like I'll go over each function the whole library, and then there'll be like a final episode then to kind of like round everything up and kind of put it all together and stuff, and then I'm not like going to be limited to like just doing those standard libraries or anything like that. I might try and build my own stuff, but I have created quite an interesting concept where I'm going to like build everything from scratch. And like I'm not allowed to like use something that I haven't already created, so like Ooh. you know like you would like you have basically a, la- a programming language has its primitives, which is what comes with the language. That's like all it's like built in stuff, and then it has libraries, which is like stuff that other coders wrote and like provide to you, and you can like download online and stuff. Um, but like I'm only going to start with the primitives and then build up the libraries that other people have wrote just myself, just to like that's how you're going to look into the. Um, the actual in-depth look at them yeah. and then I'm only allowed to use stuff that I've already created so I can't have to go f- I can't use a function that I haven't talked about yet even though you know it's provided in some other library so 
and so well, yeah, kind of build up the, the standard library. It's a really good idea. I think that's probably the best way to learn, to be honest. Yeah, yes, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, I'm hoping myself they they learn a lot from it as well. But um, yeah, that's that's the main main thing I've been working on at the moment. I suppose okay, I'll I'll hand it over now. Okay, so funny enough, uh, this pick, uh, Michael, you actually mentioned there, and you're what else are we consuming? Um, oh, really? But you just kind of glanced on it there by saying it was like one of the books that you rec- or said you read. Oh. So my recommendation is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, finally. Oh, Douglas nice. Adams. Uh, so that's uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, and that's read by Stephen Fry. Right, so we've Finally. all listened to it already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on a minute. Do you want to have a guess at what it's about? So I think... <laughs> <laughs> no. I... Um, yeah. I don't think much has to be said about it now. Um, like, until the next episode. No, I think so. Yeah. The good thing Leave about it all the, for the yeah. next episode. I've been waiting it's for an excuse to re-listen to this, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's I can't late. wait to talk about this book. Yeah, five hours and 51 minutes at normal speed, so I'll probably get it done in about four hours. <laughs> so should be a quick one, um, which is good. And like I, I think I said this to Michael, I kind of, I have like a look, I don't have that many books that I've read before. I think I've only read about 60, like, and that's including, that's not even just books, that's like, there's like lectures and stuff in there too, in that courses thing I was talking about uh, ages ago. Um, yeah. So obviously we only get the credit like once a month. So I uh, usually pick something that I've already read and then I'll alternate then to something that I haven't read but want to read. So this is something that obviously I've already read. So that's kind of the way I do my picking. Yeah. And Jason, you seem to not want to listen to this, sir. You just hate, you only talk about it in the next one, I guess. <laughs> that, that, wait, that, makes, next that makes me more... <laughs> That makes me more excited to review it. I know. <laughs> I remember a certain scene uh, element who listened to it. I finally cracked and listened to it. And we'll talk about it more next time. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. So that, that rounds us out perfectly. So um, thanks for listening. Uh, that'll be us for this episode. And join us next time where we'll be talking about uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Narrated by Stephen Fry. Thank you. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.